It had taken us at this point nearly two years and we finally have these beautiful samples. We're setting really high ambitious goals, strong timelines, and then we push, 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 push. We were both constantly checking like how many units do we have left? Let's add one, let's add two, let's add five. That whole 30 days we did not switch off and we were in this state of like constant tension. Welcome to episode four of this special documentary series featuring the story of Margot and Maria, the brains behind bra tech startup, The One Two. The year is 2022 and by now the duo had been working on bringing this brand to life for over two whole years. COVID had played havoc with their timeline, their product had taken years longer to develop than they'd originally planned and their cash reserves were slowly but surely running out. Things were heating up and Margot and Maria decided to run a Kickstarter campaign. Not only to raise much-needed money to keep the wheels turning, but to prove to their investors that despite the delays, the 1-2 was still burning brightly. It had taken us, at this point, nearly two years and we finally have these beautiful samples. Our investors have been questioning us every month. Where are you going to go? What are you going to do? When are you going to launch? When are we going to know if people actually want to buy this thing? If you've actually even created something good, why is it taking so long? So we're under a lot of pressure. And so as soon as we received them, we went straight into photography and we're doing this campaign. We're shooting video. Maria was away. And so I ended up being the face of this whole thing and feeling like I was in it all by myself. It was not ideal, but we were just so intent on speed. Timing was everything. And the reason that we decided to do it was pre-sales are such a great way to activate your extended friends and family network. Like Aunt Mary, she might take two years to buy from you. She always means to, but the pre-sale, it's like you have 30 days. Actually, we need your help in the first 24, 48 hours. Otherwise, it's not going to be successful. And that gets all of those Aunt Marys and your best friend from high school, all of them suddenly come on board at the exact same time and you get this whoosh of cash to start with. So we were primed for that. I'd actually done a pre-sale in the Kickstarter format before and it had gone well, but I'd cut it off because I didn't know if I could fulfill. And so this was coming back to it and saying, okay, now we're set up for scale. Let's do this and do it big and let's use this format. Now, doing a pre-sale, there's like a couple of different ways that you can do it. You can do it on a Shopify platform and own the whole thing. And there are a whole bunch of benefits to that where you own the customer data, you can run all of the ads, you can control it and make it super on brand. And then there's these global platforms that are designed to boost brands, different products and get them off to this kind of accelerated start. And Kickstarter is one of those. It's fluoro green. It's super ugly. It was not on brand for us at all, but we were talking about it forwards and backwards. Exactly. The idea of it having a great formula that can be successfully executed was super exciting. And despite the fact that I just came back from New York doing couture and lots of our investors were questioning whether Kickstarter is the right thing for us and whether it's going to be publicly a valuable demonstration of success or failure, frankly, and whether it's the right fit for our brand and whether it's the right fit for an Australian brand. All of the questions were there, but there are so many things that went for it and specifically Margot's experience with it. It just felt really exciting to execute the formula again. And so what were some of your fears at this time? 
Obviously, Margot, you'd run a successful campaign. As you said, you knew what the recipe was. But were you scared? Were you unsure? Were you like, oh, I don't know if it's actually going to work again? I think in the moment, we were just sprinting towards the deadline. We were pushing so hard and it was running up to Easter. So we really were like, we cannot launch it later than the Monday before Easter. So we get four days of good sales before everyone goes away for the long weekend. And then we were like, if we don't launch it before then, then we have to wait another three weeks. And that felt like eternity to us at All that point of the in time. felt like an eternity <laughs> by that time. Exactly. Our timeline was moving so much. So I think both of us, we just couldn't, we couldn't wait to launch. We were just in hustle mode, like the high adrenal hustle mode. And I think the uncertainty and the understanding of like the opportunity for public humiliation really settled in once we put it live and <laughs> that when that emotion really came home very, very hard. Because it's a really transparent platform. You can see how much money has been raised. You can see every day how much money is being raised and how many customers you, you get. So yes, it's incredibly public. Talk us through the process of launching a Kickstarter campaign. So what did you actually have to do and what did you do first? Yeah, so the recipe for a successful Kickstarter is that you need to have a pre-prepared audience to launch to and you need to be confident that they will convert in the first 24 to 48 hours. Achieving success in those initial moments is what then propels you into getting bigger numbers or leaves you on this journey where you stay flat and small. And so combined with obviously needing a really compelling campaign where the product looks fantastic, where the messages resonate. It needs to be both a video as well as long form content. Obviously, you need to price the product. And so it's a combination of having the materials ready to go, the audience pre-prepared. And then once you get off to an amazing start, that's when you can engage those agencies that specialize in taking people to the big numbers in this specific format they really want to see you hit a certain level in order to be open to coming on board, then you bring them on, then hopefully the magic happens. Before you press the go button on something, you're doing all this preparation and really just hoping it will all come together and hoping for the best. And a lot of it's in the detail. So Maria's sit on the Kickstarter platform itself, putting in the title, making sure that the bank account is linked, all of that background work that needs to be done. I'm in Adobe Illustrator making sure that our fonts are legible when we upload them to the platform because we did all this beautiful design work and then we put it up and suddenly we realize it's tiny and no one can read it. So weeks of beautiful design got overridden by like me randomly sitting there increasing font sizes. It's like that jittery, extremely in the detail, hoping for the best, knowing we had this really hard deadline that we just needed to get it live. And if we didn't get it live that day, then it was three weeks gone. Like everything in this business, right, has been rush, rush, rush. We're setting really high, ambitious goals, strong timelines, and then we push, 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 push. And when we were doing the video campaign in December, we were struggling to find the models, we were struggling to find the studio, and then I had to leave, and you were there by yourself. And then we shot it, and the product wasn't actually good enough, and so During we threw the all the footage out. Like, exactly. You, but it, we still used that footage of me because we didn't want to pay to reshoot. Exactly. The- and then we had to shoot another round in February, mm-hmm. already together, with new samples, which looked fantastic. Yeah. But we had to find new models, more money more money more time 
no one's understanding, right? We were working so hard and we genuinely, I feel like I can say like we genuinely did not set a bar that was too high, but the strong vibe we were getting from our investors is like, oh, you guys are overthinking this. You're over polishing this. It can't possibly need this much work, you know, like in that male aggressive tone. And so it's like this defensiveness. And we've spent a year and a half when we hope to spend six months to get to this point. Exactly. And everybody talks about MVP, right? And Mm -hmm. they say, well, come on, you know, how much longer are you going to need to do it? The idea of, oh, you're overthinking. And you're over-polishing. And one of our investors, remember, they were saying, I'm just really worried, guys, you will basically never ship because you just will stay in the development stage for way too long and you're going to run out of money. And you have to justify, right? And defending. And I agree. I don't think we were like over-creating something. We just wanted something good. That's it. Like it's still hard for us to explain to people outside of the two of us, how hard it is to create a decent bra and how much that five millimeters being off on something actually is the difference between a catastrophically terrible product and a really beautiful, great product. So this was our moment of being like, no, we are going to show you. Finally, we are going to put this in front of customers and you're going to see that they really want it and we're going to hit this big number. But nothing is certain in sales. And so I think that was the terror, right? We've put everything in this. We're running so, so, so hard at it. And we cannot be sure what the reaction is going to be. And I guess also for 18 months, we were very in the mindset of getting it out there. And so that was our moment of finally getting it out there. You start thinking about, okay, what are we going to actually properly do once it's there? And so, yeah, I think we were just both impatient, frustrated, defending the whole thing and just we just couldn't wait to prove that it's going to hit hard. Did it feel a bit like vindication? (laughs) (laughs) We wanted to prove. We definitely wanted to prove. It Uh, felt like a lot of pressure. Yeah. And the the more delays we've had because of COVID and product development, the more pressure we felt because investors were thinking that we're spending now more time. We've set such high ambition and we've been selling this vision to investors for the last 18 months, right? They were questioning, why are we going to do pre-sale? Why are we going to do Kickstarter? And we were explaining that Kickstarter is able to give us this global exposure and we're going to hit a big number and it can go viral. And so you set this picture and you really believe in it and you make your investors believe in it. And therefore, pressure, lots of pressure. And for me, I felt it so much as well, because when we're in a pitch, we say, oh, Margot's marketing. And Maria's like, I trust you. It's your strategy. <laughs> and I trust. And like, it's like Margot's marketing and product. Yeah. And so I'm like, and I'm the one you who's were putting like, putting so pushed, much pressure on yourself. Yeah. I was the one who pushed to do this format. Yeah. And so I felt responsible not only to myself, but to Maria as well. I was like, oh my gosh, if, you know, she's here, like Maria's beautiful, shiny spot is when we go into ops and when we've launched and we're fulfilling and she can scale up the operational side. Mm -hmm. That's what Maria's here to do. And we only are just hitting the point where she can even do that job. So I was like, oh my God, if this moment does not work, 
I've let investors down. I've let Maria down. Like it was very high pressure environment. It was coming up to Easter and time was running out. The team had a short window to launch. And in the end, they just had to press the go button. It was close to Easter. And so we had a question, should we launch now or should we wait? Is Easter the right time? But again, we've been pushing so hard and the timing was everything. So again, we just decided to... And Press the, the team kept like, like, I remember he saying like, can we do Wednesday? And I was like, we yeah. cannot launch uh, yeah. a minute later than 10 a.m. Yeah. Tuesday. That is our yeah. absolute latest time <laughs> we can right. launch. Because that's the thing, right? We know with all of these pre-sale campaigns and Kickstarters, there are all of these articles around when is the right time to launch? Because it's all strategic and kind of perception that Tuesdays, 10 a.m., you know, EST. Is- well, we wanted Monday, right? We missed Monday. And I was like, we can't cannot go later than Tuesday. And so that was was the environment, right? It was always like, we just can't, we can't wait anymore. We can't wait anymore. We can't wait anymore. Just go, go, go. And so the funny thing, of course, is always when you prepare this thing, something fails, tech fails, phones don't work, bank account suddenly doesn't work and you just have to figure it all out and sort of scramble. Everything takes more time than you always think. Mm. It's like that's the all you have capacity for is one foot in front of another. And I think for me, with the little baby and this huge commitment um, that had fallen at the same time, like that was I'd been in that space for such a long time. And now, like, shit was getting real. So tell us about Go Live. What happened on that fateful Tuesday morning at 10 a.m.? We'd been priming our audience on email saying countdown, we're about to go live. Last time it sold out in 24 hours, you need to move fast. We also knew that the formula was first you want friends and family to activate. Like basically, if you don't know us, you're not going to support our campaign when we're at 53 out of a $20,000 target. You're going to be like, what is this junior rubbish? Like, ignore. So we knew that we needed our friends and family to start building the momentum and then our audience to also come on board. And that first 24, 48 hours needed to be really big. The whole campaign basically relies on success in that first 24 to 48 hours. I remember we were sitting in the startup shared space on that Tuesday morning, just couldn't wait to press the go button. Everything was ready. Everything wasn't breaking. And we pressed the go button. And it was just one of those adrenaline rush. Total transparency. We need it to start taking off, right? So we then jump on our phones and we're buying (laughs) the first like sets of bras and underwear. So we're putting like, and you have to have a different email in order to do it. And it's against the Kickstarter rules to even pledge on your own account. But we're like, oh my God, like no one wants to, there's a few hard believers who want to be your first and second supporters, but most people want to be on when you're already accelerating. So we're like, bye, bye, bye. So we both supported ourselves like three or four times, I think. And then, yeah, just messaging all of our friends and families and messaging to every WhatsApp group that we have. Like SMSing our best friends and being like, buy now, buy now. Like, please, if you're going to buy, buy now. Like our moms, like everybody, go, 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 go. And it took off. It was amazing. That first 24 hours we did. It was just so fun. We did over $20,000, which was our target. It just felt like this 
push and we were like, yes, and every time, made it. And, and every ha- time you would refresh the page, right? We would be like, oh, another thousand dollars and then another two thousand. Yeah. And then we we're like, okay, well, let's go and have lunch. You know, it's good. You know, we've done so much work. At like 5 and p.m. we're like, let's go and have lunch. Yeah. <laughs> and then like we're still constantly refreshing and refreshing. And every time as you refresh, there is something more. So you're definitely on that exciting roller coaster that first day. And so then we were like, we've made it. Now we just need to surf out the rest of the campaign. It's all paid off. It's all happening, like smooth sailing ahead. And that was wrong. The next morning we'll wake up, we refresh and it's still going, but you know, slower. It's not $2,000 every time we refresh. I think no, it was really slow, right? It like I think we've got three sales overnight. I thought first 24 hours is big. The second 24 hours is big. So like you have a huge 48 hours and then it kind of meanders and then you have a huge last few days. It's kind of the typical trajectory. So that's what we were expecting. So I was like, oh, awesome. We're going to hit $40,000 on day two, but we hit 25 overnight, I think we'd only got three new customers. And so suddenly out of nowhere, we've had this massive first 24 hours and we're like, oh my God, our audience all converted straight away. And then it stopped. Basically, all of a sudden the pressure really turned on for needing one of those agencies and ideally that top agency. So you were scrambling. Yeah. Yeah. We reached out. There's a top three agencies We reached out to all three and within them, there's a clear creme de la creme, like a clear number one, which is the one that you really, really want. And they got back to us straight away. But they had all this stuff that we needed to do. We needed to give them access to different things. Basically for them to set up all of the ads. And so that was really exciting. It's only if you reach your target in the first 24 hours, these agencies are considering you as a potential partner, because for them, it means that you're on the right trajectory and you can be a successful project. So them reaching out back to us was like, okay, done it. You know, the first yeah. thing we did, we hit our 24 hour target. Second thing, they you know, get us. attention of the, of the agencies. Third thing, sign them and then you go. And so they sent us all the paperwork and we signed it. We put their logo on our campaign and it took us three days of work where we didn't promote the Kickstarter because we were like, these guys are our ticket to success. We're going to sacrifice how much we push the campaign to our audience in those first few days because they've said they're on board. We believe they're going to take us to where we need to go. And so we dropped everything and got them what they said they needed. Then it was Thursday ahead of Easter weekend. Good Friday next morning. That's right. And uh, everything is done. We're excited. We can't wait to get a little breather on the weekend. Margo is flying to Cairns to spend time with her family and then work from there. I'm staying in Sydney. And basically the agreement was that this agency starts to run the ads on Friday on Thursday night at 2 a.m., we receive a message from them on Slack where they're saying, hey, guys, really sorry. Turns out there is a 
a conflict. There is another bra brand that we're actually working with on Kickstarter right now. And unfortunately, we can't run your campaign. We wish you all the best and really sorry for inconvenience. 2 a.m. on a good Friday night. And I remember just reading it and thinking, oh my God, I just can't deal with this right now. I guess I just need to go to bed and let's just discuss it together in the morning and make a decision. This is just too much for a second. While they'd seen a burst of activity at the start, the pace of sales had really started to slow down. On top of that, their advertising agency had pulled out at the last minute. Time was running out. Again, they scrambled. Now it's Easter weekend, so basically no one's going to be online for four days. The earliest that we can even talk to a new agency is a week from when we've launched, when like it was just this absolute heart sink moment. And so then we do what you do when you have a shock, which is first you deny. And so we looked up the bra company and we were like, like this, this bra, it was a, a it was a backless bra. And so it's basically like a backpack with bra cups <laughs> on the front. We're like, oh my God, this has come from men. Like only a man would <laughs> think yeah. this is a competing product. Like, yes, they both happen to cover your breasts, but ours is an everyday bra. So we were like, let's negotiate. So we messaged them back and said like, guys, are you sure? Like, you know, why don't you ask a few women? Like I, these are not competing categories. Like we can understand they both cover the breast, but please reconsider radio silence from their side. This sounds like a nightmare, like four days of inaction, not being able to do anything. You can't contact the agency. There's a lot riding on this and your days are numbered, like they're ticking down. Ticking and it's public. Our investors are messaging us being like, hey guys, what's going on? We've noticed the numbers don't seem to be going up anymore. What are you doing? What's your strategy? And meanwhile, Margot on the way to the airport. So Friday morning, Margot on the way to the airport to go and see her family. And Margot says, do you want to come up to Cairns and spend time together and we can just work from my home? I was like, I feel like we really need to be together during this time. Like Maria and I, (laughs) in general, we work much better together. When we're apart, we get more and more stressed and all this stuff happens, like this tension kind of builds up. And I was like, oh my gosh, the world is caving in. We cannot be apart. Please, will you come? (laughs) And so I come up to Cairns and I stay at Margot's beautiful family house where she grew up with her parents, with her husband and her children, with her sister and her partner. (laughs) (laughs) And so every morning we wake up and we have breakfast and then Margot and I, we go upstairs and we work away all day. Oh my God. And day in, day out, day in, day out for a week. Maria came on the Monday, so we had the weekend of stressing out, that horrible feeling when something's gone wrong, but there's nothing you can do. So obviously we reached out to the number two and number three agency. And then remember, we had a call with the number three and they told us Kickstarter advertising doesn't work anymore. You can pay to put an ad on our newsletter if you want. I remember we were kind of, you know, we had to figure out a backup, right? If nobody responds to us, we had to run our own ads. So we started preparing that and working on that. I'm busy putting posts on Instagram, emails together to our database, just really trying to milk, but like getting very little response, to be perfectly honest. After that second lot of 24 hours not being that surprised by that combined with it being Easter, but it's a really stressful situation. 
I remember talking to each other and we were like, oh, in our business case, we put $50,000 as our worst case scenario. Like, what if we don't even get to 30? The really tricky part about this category is that it requires scale to order inventory in the first place. If we reach 50K, this is actually not even enough for us to order minimum order quantities to be able to deliver the initial product. So at the same time, you're thinking about managing investors and getting traction, but also actually execution, right? And fulfillment and managing your manufacturer and expectations with them. And so you're constantly existing in this world of 5,000 scenarios and your head just gets slightly overwhelmed. Ultimately, we got the number two agency on board. What was it like working with the number two agency? You could feel the difference between number one and number the two. The ambition was no, not even in the same realm. So it was disappoint. Like it was a huge relief to get them on board, but we also were hoping that they would be more kind of close competitors and that they would be still aiming to take us to the stars. And instead, they were a lot more modest in their ambitions for us than what we were for ourselves. So what was the new set of expectations? What what had they said to you was possible? And what day are we on now? Like how much time have we got left? So we're on day seven or eight and it's pretty disappointing, right? Because it's all about the beginning few weeks and the end few weeks and the beginning sets you up. So we've lost five days of acceleration at least to to this kind of whole issue playing out. Then they were switching on in a tapered way. Remember where they were like, oh, we'll just do a little test for one day and then we'll do a little test another day. And then we were like, but when is it going to go big? Like we need, we really- Stop testing. Yeah, we really (laughs) need you to like start picking winners and putting money into them because we need this thing to go big. A lot of the times with these agencies, they just take it offline basically, right? And they- you have to really poke them and say, okay, guys, what's an update? What's an update? What's happening? What's happening? Again, it's a really specific timeline that we're working on. Every day counts, every minute counts. And so I remember we were constantly in a hustle trying to understand what's exactly happening and where else can we push. Were you seeing the results? We started to see them pick over. It was kind of a gradual thing where we started to see I think maybe about day four that they were on, they started to be confident to put volume through a couple of ads and we started to see a couple of thousand dollars coming through from them. And so we started to feel more optimistic. What then started to get exciting was that the Kickstarter algorithm itself, you know, Kickstarter has its own scale audience and they send an email to them every week. They have people who just visit the platform looking for things to purchase. So one of the things that makes or breaks you as a campaign is like, do you get featured by Kickstarter? And Kickstarter, as we started to have those numbers going through again, we started to see that we were getting more sales directly off the Kickstarter. We got selected by Kickstarter as a featured product, which meant that fundamentally the Kickstarter platform then became a promoter of our campaign. And so it became this kind of virtuous cycle where as we started to get more volume through, the campaign starts to look more successful again. We're getting to 250, 300, 400% over and above our target, which for, for people who don't know us, that's starting to feel very safe. You're like, oh, cool. The ball is rolling. I'm joining this thing. It's already a movement. How exciting. I get to be one of the first people who's bought something that's clearly going to be successful through what felt like 
crawling over glass. You know, at this point, we were like finally getting to a level where it felt successful for people who just visited the page. So then the pressure came from our investors who many of them wonderful and just total supporters, but others more inclined to manage and ask questions of like, can you guys hit $100,000? If you can hit $100,000, we're in the business, Like you, but you need to hit that number. And even though things were starting to go well, and that was like something we really wanted as well. And we were confident, right? And we believe in what we do. But yeah, $100,000 became the goal. The A agency at first looked like they were on track to get that. And then the numbers started to decline. And we're trying to get on the phone to them. We're trying to understand why the person who was running our campaigns had a personal medical emergency and was offline for a period of time or his pet did. I don't know. Something went wrong on his like personal side and he disappeared and the clock is ticking. And, and it was no certain thing that we were going to be able to hit that. And so the initial creme de la creme agency comes back to us and, and they say, we understand that you think these aren't competing. If the founder of this other brand agrees, then we'll run your campaigns for you. And so we waited 12 hours, which was a long time for us. And then I reached out to her directly on LinkedIn and was like, hey, I've heard from this agency. They say like, if you're cool with it, then it's all good. And she replies and says, I'm so sorry, but like whatever they decide is what I have to go with. And it kind of became really clear at that point that she's actually stepped in personally and insisted that they don't run us while she's live. So we're at like 80 something, I think. And her campaign goes offline, like her campaign finishes. And so the original agency says, we can come back on board for your last three days. And we were like, should we even do it? Do we even trust them? Like, what are we even thinking? And then we're like, oh my gosh, we're just so close to this, like hitting the 100K. Let's just get them on board and let's just throw everything at it. Because if we can hit that number, it will mean so much to us. They were like, you cannot be with anybody else. And we were like, screw it. Like, what are they going to, look what they've done to us already. Are they really going to like cut us off just because, are they even going to notice we're running other ads? And so we ran the two agencies at the same time for the last three days. And thank God we did because the second agency we'd brought on board absolutely dropped the ball. Their ads completely stopped performing. Somehow all of the metrics we'd agreed with them, which were around like how much we were willing to pay in terms of acquisition costs, somehow they messed that up entirely and they were spending way too much per acquisition, but still not getting enough acquisitions for us. And fortunately, the creme de la creme agency came in for our last three days and managed to boost us. They put us in their newsletter and literally the last seven hours of a 30-day campaign we hit $100,000. You are looking at the screen for 30 days. Yeah. <laughs> for every minute. <laughs> and it was funny because I went to Sri Lanka again. And so we were in different time zones with Margot. And so we were constantly checking both of us, making sure that there is enough stock that is still offered and we're not missing out on potential supporters. I remember specifically that morning. So I woke up in the morning in Sri Lanka time and we were like, okay, there is one hour left. There is half an hour left. And we were counting every second down. We literally had advice from one of these agencies early on, which was always have only a few products left 
of each one because it creates that momentum within a consumer, like where they want to buy straight away. And so they'll basically always have between three and five units left. And so between the two of us, and we didn't coordinate, like we were both so anxious and so switched on, like we wanted to be there checking it. And so we were both constantly checking how many units do we have left? Let's add one, let's add two, let's add five. That whole 30 days, we did not switch off and we were in this state of like constant tension. In the end, we raised 102,643 Australian dollars from our amazing 783 backers and we ended up selling more than 1,000 bras. It was an adrenaline rush for 30 days. Did you crash afterwards? Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Maria was in Sri Lanka. So we actually had, I remember we had like three more days of work or something where there was still a whole bunch of, like Maria was there, but we were doing online fittings. And so there was this period of, we were so exhausted. We'd finally hit this thing, but we just needed to finish off some business. And very quickly, right? It became kind of, it's just a step in the process, but now what's next? And what's next was (laughs) now we need the stock to actually Mm -hmm. deliver to people. And the first bra was already finished and we're overseeing the production, but the second bra was still in development. And that was partly why we decided that I needed to go there to push it all the way. And so every day I would be going to the factory, to the sample room, I would be fitting and testing. Then when Maria got on the plane back, I think we both collapsed in a heap for like a week and a half. I like feel like I haven't seen my children for a month (laughs) and I don't even know who I am. And so I collapsed in a heap. Maria was like, oh, let's talk in three days. And I was like, I think I need more than that. (laughs) And so I think we ended up taking a week and a half off. But then there was so much more work still to do. It's this weird thing where it's this huge milestone, but success is not guaranteed. We still had to bring it home. We still have to launch it. We still have to see whether in a normal environment, this thing can even work. Upon reflection, it's interesting that our strategy was working. Everything we wanted to do at every stage of the journey worked, but it just worked with so many additional challenges and through so much stress. We wanted to go to market with a pre-sale on the Kickstarter. We did it. We wanted to get the right agency. We ended up getting them. We got the high number that we got excited about to be able to raise off the back of that with an exciting story. But every time there is an out-of-control challenge, a global challenge that we can't do much about it. And so we just have to figure it out. And so we raised the exciting number, but now there is a financial crisis basically coming along. And so raising money is very difficult. And I think in startups as well, there's always that what if. And for me, it's the what if for us that we'll never know the answer to is what if we hadn't had that conflict? How big could it have been? We hit $100,000. But this agency gets people to $500,000, a million dollars. That would have been life-changing and completely changed the trajectory of this business. But due to no fault of our own, things completely beyond our Mm. control, that wasn't something we had access to. We'll never know whether we could have made it there or not. And I mean, maybe it's worked out for the best because fulfilling this thing is a real significant amount of work and ultimately what matters and 
the success or failure of this business isn't does it succeed or fail on Kickstarter? It's does it succeed or fail in real life as an e-commerce store with a whole bunch of consumers from all around the world purchasing directly? 